Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, good morning, First Press, and friends of First Press. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. I want you to know that we miss you. It's odd to not see your faces here, but I know you're there. But we miss you. We're praying for you. Our staff is thinking about you every day and hoping that you're doing well and meeting Christ right where you're at. Today, we're finishing our Jesus series, and our scripture takes us to the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, that time when Jesus first gathers his disciples after his resurrection. I can imagine it's a meeting full of hope and wonder, of fear and awe. It's a moment that begins with worship and then moves into mission. In these verses, Jesus extends his mission to his disciples, commissioning them to God's work in the world. The Great Commission is all about going. And so as we move through the scripture today, one of the questions on your mind might be, how do we go when we've been ordered to stay? Great question. I'm glad you've asked it. We'll get there. But for now, open your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 10 to 20. And we're picking up with Jesus talking to the two Marys, who are the first ones to encounter him after his resurrection. So listen to the word of God. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that your word would go forth and like seeds planted in good soil, that our hearts would receive what you have to say this morning. Lord, we long that your word would grow within our hearts, would help us to flourish and help us to move into the world as you have led us and called us to. So speak to us this morning. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, our sister church in Havana, Cuba, is closed right now because of coronavirus. They don't have great access to the internet, so they have... um, They don't have access to Zoom to uh, bring together small groups. So Pastor Ludmilla and her team have had to be creative and thinking about how do we bring the church together in this time. And so every morning, Pastor Ludmilla goes to the church building, she climbs the bell tower, and at 9 o'clock a.m. every morning, she rings the bell. The church hears the bell being rung, and they fall to their knees in prayer, remembering that they are not alone, 
but their prayers are heard together by the Lord. Likewise, the city hears the bell ring and also knows that the first Reformed Presbyterian Church of Havana, Cuba, is praying for them. How encouraging. The church is alive. On Easter Sunday last week, bells rang out all across our nation, signaling the resurrection of Jesus. We rang our bell about 12.15, just after noon. And on this first day of his resurrection, Jesus gives the commission to ring the bell of good news in every corner of the globe. The movement of Jesus continues. It's about to explode onto the world stage. Today, 2.3 billion followers of Jesus continue to sound the bell of good news around the world, sharing in every nation the message that Christ indeed is risen. We're part of that movement too, in this moment in history, in this time, in this place. We too get to ring the gospel bell to share the good news that Jesus is alive. So Matthew 28 moves pretty quickly. So let me sum up for you what's happened so far. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Mary and Mary get up early on the Sabbath and go to the tomb early at dawn. They see a remarkable sight. The tomb has been opened. An angel speaks to them of Jesus' resurrection and instructs them to go tell the disciples that they are to meet Jesus in Galilee. Filled with fear and joy, they quickly make their way back to the disciples, but an incredible thing happens along the way. Jesus meets Mary and Mary. They fall down in worship of him, and he instructs them again to go gather the disciples to meet with him in Galilee. While Mary and Mary are rushing again to tell the good news to the disciples, another group is still trying to write the ending to Jesus' story. They killed him once, and now they're trying to kill him again. He isn't alive, they say. We'll say his body has merely been stolen. This group is fiercely committed to this story of Jesus being finished. They want Jesus to go away, to stop being the central character of everything. They've been trying to force all the way through the Gospels this narrative about Jesus that brings his story to conclusion. But Matthew tells us nothing can keep Jesus in the grave, not even a well-crafted, expensive story. You see, Jesus' movement and mission can't be stopped. What Jesus has started has no end. And so as the book of Matthew closes, a new chapter begins with the great commission of Jesus when the disciples meet up with him in Galilee. There he extends the mission to them. It's still our mission today, 2,000 years later. We're right here on the Mount of Olives today. Where at the end of his ministry, Jesus gathered his disciples and for the last time, he shared his bodily presence with them. He had given the Great Commission a statement of Jesus that I think has shaped the ministry of the church, has shaped my ministry probably more than any other. When he said to his friends, between the time that I go up from here into heaven and I come back down, I want you to be about one thing. I want you to go to all nations. He told them that on a mountain in Galilee and then gathered the disciples here where he ascended into heaven. It's from here that the grace of God spread out. It's from here that the message went out. Souls were transformed. People were healed, reconciled to God. Nations were changed, all starting right here. It's right here that the long walk between the victory of resurrection and the consummation of the kingdom began.
real words spoken by the real Jesus in a real time, in a real place. The Great Commission is still our mission. Go and make disciples. What I want to share with you today is three simple reflections from our scripture passage that I hope will fill you with hope and expectation and invitation to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world right now, right here today. So reflection number one, the whole world is in Jesus' hands. There's this little song that we sing. Kids, you probably know this one. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. It just repeats itself. I want to invite you kids to sing that to your parents all day long. This is a really important message. Jesus holds the world in his hands. Matthew 28 is one of many scriptures that make this little song true. And what we learn in this extraordinary story is that Jesus holds the world, that Jesus is at work in the world. All authority in the world, in the earth, is his. Maybe said a different way, there's not a person or place in the whole world where Jesus is not already at work. In these verses, when Jesus uses the words all, everything, and always, it's not merely for effect or for the sake of emphasis. It's actually true. All authority, all nations, I'm with you always, obey everything. Matthew's final words here are marked with a sense of wholeness. Before Jesus asks us to do anything, he reminds us that everything belongs to him. Eugene Peterson writes, Christ Christ plays in 10,000 places, meaning everything is already his. The mission Jesus gives is started and completed and surrounded and enveloped by Jesus with the Father and the Holy Spirit. As my theology professor used to say, the whole God is fully at work in the whole world always. We simply get an invitation to be a part of what God is doing to restore the world. Last week we worshiped from the rooftop at First Press. It was marvelous, those are marvelous services. Looking out over the city, the empty cross standing tall above this beautiful place that we live. It reminded me that our worship leads us right into the heart of the city where God is at work calling us to love the city, to care for the city, to help the city flourish. It also reminded me of downtown Los Angeles, 1987, when you 2 arguably the biggest band on the planet at the time, sat up on the rooftop at the corner of 7th and Main to sing Where the Streets Have No Name. Their intent was to draw a crowd and shut down the surrounding streets and cause a big disruption. They said if there's one thing in LA people hate, it's having their streets shut down. Their gig was eventually shut down by authorities, as you may remember, but that was kind of the plan. You two believe that music should always shake things up. Well, I don't think that our rooftop services shut down our city. Our city, of course, is already shut down, but the resurrection of Jesus disrupted everything. It changed the course of human history, and Jesus now calls the disciples back together because the Great Commission is underway. There's a whole world to tell. Eternal life has been accomplished. The great restoration is moving out. We read that when the disciples see Jesus for the first time after his death, they worshiped him. They see him for who he really is, the risen Lord. When they saw him, they worshiped him. When one finds themselves in the presence of God, the only response is worship. 
This is Matthew's way of saying they see Jesus now as God. For Matthew, worship is the ultimate response to the God of the universe. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Jesus says back in chapter 4. Although our church building is closed, we're still gathering for worship every week right here together because worship is our first response. Worship is what we're created for, to serve and love and worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune community of love and light and life. The disciples' first response is worship. When we worship Jesus, we find ourselves totally free and available to love the world and our neighbor as Jesus commands us to. In worship, we understand that the burden of the world rests on Christ. He's the one who carries the world, who holds it in his hands. Nobody loves the world or your neighbor more than Jesus. In worship, we affirm that Jesus holds all things together. So reflection number one, the whole world is in Jesus' hands. Reflection number two, Jesus calls us into mission just as we are. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. We read here that the 11 showed up. There are no longer 12. The disciples group has been diminished. The last we read of the disciples, Judas had taken his own life. Peter had denied Jesus three times. The remaining group was hiding in an upper room, terrified of what would happen next. Only the women and John stay at the cross to the end. It was not one of the 12, but Joseph of Arimathea who stepped forward to bury Jesus' body. And it was Mary and Mary who bravely showed up on the t- at the tomb on the Sunday morning. In our scripture here, Matthew writes that they worshiped Jesus, but some of them doubted. Hardly a group that Jesus might entrust the future of the Great Commission into their hands. We're reminded in some of our greatest storytelling adventures that it's not the most fit who are asked to complete great things in this world, but the flawed. Hobbits and children, orphans and paupers, shepherd boys and refugees, discarded women and servant girls, and the 11 who wrestled through worship with doubt. You see, Jesus calls us as we are, to bring whatever it is that we have and offer it to him. So like the disciples, we come to Jesus as wounded and broken people. We know that we're not whole. We're called forth in our weakness, and Jesus simply asks us to come as we are, to show up with what we have. Jesus is the only perfect one. Christ is the only one who is complete, the one who holds it all together. Many of you know that my husband has been battling pneumonia and whooping cough, of all things, for the past five weeks. He's been in recovery for a few weeks now, but recovery is slow with pneumonia, as you may know. I've been incredibly careful to stay at home, to not go out more than than I need to, so that I don't bring anything home that might put his recovery at risk. Like many of you, we're living out of a place of vulnerability and caution. We're, We're deeply aware of our weaknesses. But we're encouraged as we see the church at work here and in the world, we still feel a part of it. We're praying more than we ever have prayed before as a family. In our house, we're struggling just like you with isolation and frustration. 
We discovered that we're not very good homeschoolers, but we are getting really good at Yahtzee and baking banana bread. But we also have short tempers. At times we feel lost, but we still feel a part of God's movement as the Spirit is calling us right where we are, working from home with our kids, listening to the Spirit, talking with our neighbors over the barriers um, set up. We're learning that the Spirit is still moving, still at work, still calling us forth to be part of God's work. I don't know how each of you is coming to worship today. I don't know how you're feeling. We've been in this home order for several weeks now. I think five weeks we've been home. Um, Who knows what will happen next when this latest order ends on April 27th. But what I do know is that it's okay to come to Jesus as 11 instead of 12. It's okay to come to worship with a little bit of doubt. Worship and doubt. It's okay to come as you are. Let Jesus do the heavy lifting for you today. Bring yourself to Jesus. Bring what you have. Offer yourself as a wounded worshiper, trusting that Jesus is the one who will lift you up today. So number two, come to Jesus as you are. Reflection number three, the Great Commission gets us moving right where we are. Jesus' command here to his disciples is to go and make more disciples. In other words, disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. What we are becoming, we are commissioned to give away. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says. Theologian Dale Bruner equates the go in this section with the phrase, get moving. Followers of Jesus are always a people on the move, will always be a people that are moving into the world to give away what has been given to us. The Spirit enlivens us in every way to be and to tell good news and then to walk closely and slowly with others toward Jesus. Followers of Jesus move toward other people, whoever they are. They take up the slow and steady and consistent pace of people on a journey. The word Jesus used here is ethne, nations, peoples of the world. It's where we get the word ethnicity. Our common humanity binds us to all other human beings, regardless of race, nationality, boundary, or creed. Jesus moves freely in the scriptures towards those who are in his path to show them the heart of the Father. And so we too are commissioned to demonstrate the kingdom of God in every relationship that we have. But the operative word here is go, which provides a little bit of a conundrum today as we have been ordered to stay, stay at home, don't go out, stop moving. It's food for thought and it raises all kinds of questions, I think, about the Great Commission, great questions. And I hope that in this time you're deeply engaged with questions of faith and what it means to live out the Great Commission during a pandemic. Here are some of my questions that I've been asking. How do we go when we've been ordered to stay at home? Is staying the new going? Does the gospel shelter in place? Does Zoom count as a disciple-making tool? Gift-giving and the art of leaving things on someone's porch, is that part of the Great Commission? Can I love my neighbor if I'm wearing a mask? Does home communion count? And how do I make bread without yeast? 
Thank you, Cullen's family, by the way, for helping us understand how to do that. We're going to use that again in a few weeks. Did we have to get a noise permit to worship on the roof of the church? Are we even allowed to be on the roof of the church? If I can't put a check in the offering plate, is it still considered a tithe? Is homeschooling considered a spiritual gift? And can I pray for it if I don't have it? How many times do I need to apologize to the people I live with for not being a great example of Jesus' love? And the list of questions goes on. A new context, a new set of question, questions. How does the gospel get shared in quarantine? In about 10,000 different ways. How are you demonstrating the love of Christ right in the place where you are? What does it look like for you to share the love of Christ? And then there are the questions that come in the desperate and dark places of this pandemic that we're in. Questions like, will God provide for me if I lose my job? Is Jesus with me as a first responder, as a healthcare worker, as a grocery worker in our community? Is God protecting me in the risky places that I am called to be and called to work? In the emergency rooms, in the overcrowded waiting rooms where the sick are gathered to seek help and care, is Jesus there? If I'm not allowed to be in the ICU with my loved one who is suffering, is Jesus there? And can he touch them in the desperate places where they are? Will Jesus heal me if I get sick? Heartbreaking questions, questions that, that, that border on suffering and death, questions that come from distressed and anxious hearts. When Jesus told his disciples in the upper room to not let their hearts be troubled in the Gospel of John, he also told them that he was sending the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a guide, a teacher, an advocate. The Holy Spirit crosses into every place over every barrier and brings Jesus into every corner of the world. In his death, Jesus crossed into the thin places between life and death. He went everywhere on earth and in heaven and in between. He was there so that he could rescue and redeem from every place. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus ministers to each person in their place of trouble. Jesus is trustworthy in all places, in all circumstances, at all times, and in all spaces. In your place of difficulty and anxiety, call on Jesus. He's closer than you think. I am with you always, Jesus says. He's near. The great commission of Jesus is at work in every context and every place of our world. The call to be a part of Jesus is extended to us today, every day. We are called to get moving, to share the hope of Christ. Regardless at this time of whether you're considered to be an essential or non-essential worker in the kingdom of God, we are all essential to the mission of God. So reflection three, the great commission gets us moving right where we are right where you are today. Let me circle back to Cuba and our story of our brothers and sisters. One of the elders at the Presbyterian Church in Cuba writes this about her isolation. She writes, I miss the Sunday services. And as you know, we cannot worship via internet. It makes more difficult and sad the isolation for me. But we are united in prayer every morning at nine o'clock. 
Ludmilla rings the bell of the church and people can remember to pray and other people can realize the church is still alive. The church is alive. The Holy Spirit enlivens the church in every time and every place. The Holy Church Spirit enlivens you, your heart and your mind to be creative and to think about how you share the gospel in new and wonderful ways with those around you, even from isolation. How does the gospel go forward in quarantine? In about 10,000 different ways. Jesus doesn't leave us with a simple formula or a one-size-fits-all guide on how to share Christ with your neighbor, but he does say that conversions will happen and that the way of Christ can be taught by each of us. And what Jesus does leave with us is himself. Jesus has the whole world in his hands. And he says, I am with you always. And in, those, in, in between those two realities, he calls each of us to go up the stairs of the bell tower and to ring the bell of hope with clarity and faithfulness to everyone we are in relationship with and in every place where we are called to go. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's get moving and share the good news with everyone we meet. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the one who holds the world in your hands. We are so grateful that you are with us in this time, in this place, in this moment in history, and we're so grateful for the invitation to join your mission to be a part of the restoration and rescue of this world. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Remind us of who you are in worship and remind us of how you've called us to love our neighbor and our world. Lord, we give this morning to you. We receive what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.